Amen. We thank you for your giving. We appreciate you. Just found out we're having some technical difficulties with our live stream. So if you're live stream and you cannot stay connected, just wait for the rebroadcast. We'll make sure that you are taken care of. But we're going to get right into the word of God. So let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We love you, God. We appreciate all the people that are gathered here today and those who are watching online. We ask that they would be given what they need. We ask that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth, give me clarity and wisdom. Let revelation knowledge flow freely, unhindered and unchecked and uninterrupted by any satanic or demonic forces. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, with your Bibles in your hands. I'm repeating after me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of deliverance where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Pastor Andre, we love you, but we want to hear from God. So, Father God, feed me this word. Come on, put your hands together this morning. I'll praise the Lord. All right, so we're going to get right into it. And the title of today's message is The Four Seasons. The Four Seasons. And it's purposely misspelled because I've gone uh, alliteration crazy today. And what alliteration is, is when you use the same letter over and over to prove a point. So I'm just going, I got C's all throughout this thing. Just C, 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 a whole bunch of C's. But that's the way God gave it to me. And, and it will make uh, sense, more sense as we go. And as, as we get to the bottom, we will have uh, four major C's that, that'll help us. And so uh, I want to start off by saying that I've never stayed at the Four Seasons or the Ritz-Carlton yet. I'm, I'm headed in that direction yet, but I'm, I've never stayed there. But, but I, I'll bring that, I bring that up for a reason, and I'll come back to that reason in just a minute. But I've never stayed at the Four Seasons, and I'll bring that up later but I just want to throw that out there and then we'll move I want you guys to put this up and we're going to spell it right for the first time so seasons equal cycles so the first C that we're going to talk about is cycles seasons equals cycles so there are cycles in seasons in our natural seasons but also in our life there are cycles and life is very cyclical where, where things happen in cycles. And the problem is, 
you can get trapped in a cycle that you really don't like. And what you need, you need something to interrupt that cycle because cycles are very cyclical. They just go in cycles. There's even the song Jonathan Reynolds talks about, about cycles going in cycles. But there can be positive cycles as well. But in most cases, there's a mixture of both negative cycles and positive cycles. And what that's more akin to is our natural seasons. And so I want us to bring up the cycle of the these seasons and this cycle is usually a cycle of dying, planting, blooming, and harvesting. The world actually functions similar to this, a cycle of dying, planting, blooming, harvesting. We like the blooming and the harvesting. We don't really care for the dying and the planting. But that's a part of the cycles of life. Things actually have to die in order for life to be seen. We like the life part. We don't really like the whole cycle. Many of us that are here, we are here because we interrupted a cycle. It is a menstrual cycle that is interrupted by a seed And I don't know how it happened because I don't know things like God knows. But at some moment, your mother and my mother was late on a cycle. Because there was a seed that interrupted the cycle that was going to produce life. But it just don't start off with happy, bouncing baby boys and bouncing baby girls. It usually starts off with some morning sickness some pain and I, I I'm just giving conjecture because I've watched it but I ain't never been through it and when I watched it for my three children it made me happy that I was made a man and not a woman but the life is beautiful but it takes a lot to get to the life there's a lot of pain there's a lot of discomfort to get to the life. And so many of us understand in our lives, in order to get things accomplished, we've gone through cycles and not all the cycles have been good. There's been some good things, but there's also been some negative things that we've had to deal with. Let's, let's put it up in, in a, just a very easy way to understand. Let's just look at our natural seasons. Winter, spring, summer, fall. Winter is cold and it represents the dying. Spring uh, represents the uh, the blooming, and then summer represents the the time. Actually, there, there, there's some some planting in summer. There's some joy in summer. There is a lot of summer vacations, but sometimes it even gets too hot. Sometimes the summer can oversummer you. You can just get too much. So even in good times, life has a way of tempering us with just both the positive and the negative. And then there is the fall season where we, we, uh, we harvest. Harvest is, is, is fall season, but it also it starts that whole dying process all over again. And so having said that, I'm going to come back to the point that I made. Let's, let's go to that next one. The four seasons. 
So I've never stayed at the Four Seasons, but what the Four Seasons is, it's a hotel that is not a hotel. Num- number one, it's not a motel. Motel, you usually have the door on the outside. Hotels have at least have the door on the inside. You at least get a lobby. If I pull, let me, let me say this. If you're dating somebody and they tell you, hey, I want to take you to a hotel. Number one, if you ain't married, I don't know why you're going, but that's a whole nother story. But let's just in case you got tricked to going and they pull you up to a place and the doors are on the outside. That's not a hotel. That's a motel. And you probably ain't the only girl he brought there. But anyway, let, let, let me, let, let, let me move. Let me, let me get off of that. So. The Four Seasons is not motel level, it's hotel level, but all hotel levels are not the same. You got two star, one star, three star, four star, and then five star are, and above, they're all grouped together, but not all five stars are the same. I've been in some five star hotels, but not all of them are the same. So flash the graphic up again, and I'm going to try to make it make sense as we move forward. So... What the top luxurious hotels are known for, they're known for extreme levels of comfort to the point where they know who you are when you show up. When you go to a regular hotel, they want to know what's your reservation under, what's your name, what's this, that, the other. The other places, they, Mr. Mitchell, how you doing? I'm like, wait a second, how you know me? I just got here. But they, they go through extreme levels of comfort. There's somebody to help you park your car. Now, all this stuff costs, but with the cost and the luxury comes a high level of comfort. We all like and enjoy comfort, but what I need to submit to you is that comfort costs. Comfort is costly. And so while we don't like discomfort, Sometimes we need discomfort to help us to appreciate comfort. All right, I'm gonna gonna, gonna kind of, I'm still gonna move a little, little quick, but I'm gonna kind of keep keep breaking this down a little more. So, put this up here for me. In the kingdom of God, the focus is character over comfort. I hate to disappoint you. But God is not really concerned about your comfort. And he doesn't have, he, he has a right not to be concerned about your comfort because in order for you to access him, he had to die a crazy death. And while we want blessings and we want luxury and we want nice things, God is not really crazy concerned about your comfort. Because in the kingdom, character is above comfort. So sometimes he allows discomfort to come because he's trying to build your character. And your character does not get built the greatest when you're always comfortable. I don't mind wealthy people. I'm not a preacher that talks against wealthy people. But I've met wealthy people who weren't always wealthy. And I met wealthy people who had a silver spoon in their mouth. And between the two, the people who've had a silver spoon in their mouth, they are a little irritating. 
because they've never been through anything. Everything's been handed to them and they have a sense of entitlement. And what God doesn't want his children to have is he wants you to be blessed, but he don't want you to have a sense of entitlement where you don't understand when other people are struggling. I've been married 22 years, so that means I've never been through a divorce. But as a leader, I shouldn't be so comfortable in my marriage that I can't help and acknowledge someone who has been divorced. Well, if you acted the way me and my wife acted, you wouldn't be divorced. You're a fool, mister, because life happens to everybody. So, so you don't want to be so comfortable that you cannot, uh, Understand the feelings of other people's infirmities. So what God will many times do, he'll allow things to happen to challenge your character and it's not always comfortable. Life is very uncomfortable. Let me, uh, now I'll, I'll get into something that happened that really, really frustrated me. Life is uncomfortable and God doesn't always interrupt the uncomfort. Right now, we are more uncomfortable than normal in this building because we do not have heat. We don't, it's not that we don't have heat because we did anything wrong. We were being proactive and on our last staff meeting, we decided that we would make sure we uh, called our people in to uh, service that so we will have the furnace winterized. And they didn't, couldn't get us on the schedule until, until uh, what, the, the 10th. And so, uh, Sister Crystal, you probably called in October. They couldn't get, they were a month out. They, they come. Now the furnace was working when they showed up. But when they left, it was broke. And now they're telling us what we need to get it fixed. And I believe we'll, we'll be able to get it fixed. Early, but, but doesn't it bother you when you do the right thing and get the wrong result? If we didn't get it serviced, if there was nothing wrong with it, we were just being proactive. Come and check it out, make sure the filter's right, make sure everything's clean. We're trying to be proactive and now we got a problem, but we didn't have a problem before we called you. And if you didn't take a month to get here, the other weeks in November, it's been 70 degrees. But the one that weekend that it falls, we don't have heat. And as a pastor, that's frustrating because it's like we're doing what we're supposed to do, getting wrong results. But God is not always concerned about your comfort. He's concerned about your character. And let me throw another C word in there. Even though I'm a pastor, sometimes I want to cuss because I'm uncomfortable. But God wants to develop my character. Another C word, I was wondering, should I cancel service? And just, you know, we can do everything online. But then I was like, well, maybe we, maybe we can just come and see. And then look, looks like we're, we're doing okay. We're a little uncomfortable, but it ain't going to kill us. But it can develop our character. Here, here, here's another example. So I noticed some oil in my garage or oil stain in my garage. Now, October 24th, I got my oil changed, once again, being proactive, and now I have an oil leak. I didn't have an oil leak before I got my oil changed. So now I went back to the place, and they were like, yeah, something was wrong, and they give me a, a new oil, they give me a new oil change free of charge, but why'd y'all mess it up the first time? 
I've been driving up and down the highway. Something bad could happen. It didn't happen. But something bad could have happened. And it wasn't because I did anything wrong. I did the right thing and got the wrong result. Now, I, now this that's just life. But as Christians, it can be very bothersome when you do right and keep receiving wrong. I, I'm, I'm a single woman and I'm doing all the right things. I, 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 I'm not allowing crazy stuff in my inbox. I'm taking care of myself. I'm going to the gym. I'm eating right. I'm healthy. But now don't, don't nobody want me. I'm doing right, but I'm getting wrong and that's uncomfortable. But what I'm going to try to teach us today is how to navigate the things that are uncomfortable without getting upset with God. Because even though it's uncomfortable, your character is still growing and you're becoming better. Let me, let, let me add something else to it. You can be doing very well and then you get a call from your adult child. Now, it's an adult child, so that means you no longer have control over them, but they call and they need you. Your day is going fine. One phone call can change your entire week. Everything was going good. And then you get a call. And uh, what I'm trying to say is sometimes the stuff happens outside of you. It's nothing you did. It's a family member. It's somebody else did something. A politician did something. T- just Tuesday, we, we're, we're going to, I'm going to be helping uh, bury a young lady who was just sitting in her home doing nothing. Already has beat cancer twice, and because some fool wants to shoot at somebody else, the bullet ricochets off of there and comes and hits her, and now she's dead, and she didn't do anything wrong. That kind of stuff bothers you if you if you allow it. You have to learn how to understand we are in a fallen world, and if God fixes everything, guess what? We won't need God. If God makes all the trouble disappear... We ain't coming to church. Why would I come to church if everything was perfect? I'm, 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 I'm going to be in Bahamas somewhere chilling. So God has to allow sometimes things to be uncomfortable so that we need him. Let me, let me go through some things that, that are going to help us show us what these things are that are uncomfortable. They come. Here's a bunch of other C words. These are what I call character builders. And you don't have to shout for them because they're not shouting material. Circumstances. Challenges, change, and ultimately crucifixion. Because the Bible says we have to take up our cross and follow him. The Bible says we have to crucify our flesh. Yes, my flesh is nasty and stinking and all that stuff. But let me be honest. There's some parts about my flesh that I like. And I don't want it to die. I want it to live, but we have to crucify it. All those things develop our character, but they're not necessarily easy. Just change itself can be hard. Just simple change, change on your job or change in the city. Like just recently, they shut down a whole bunch of the rail uh, tracks all at one time. It caused a bunch of change. It caused a bunch of stress. I'm trying to get to work and we got 97 railroads. How are you going to close all of them? And I don't know how I'm going to get to work. Just simple changes. Changes you had nothing to do with causes issues. 
changes in your diet that you're forced to make because a disease is found in your body. I've been eating cheesecake all my life, and now they tell me I'm lactose intolerant. I can't eat cheesecake, can't have milk, can't have dairy. That's the stuff that I love. Change can be uncomfortable. Challenge can be uncomfortable. Circumstances can be uncomfortable. And I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. All right, and I haven't even got to, to the scriptures yet. I'm doing that on purpose because we're going somewhere. So let me throw this last thing in here, and then we're going to give you a little scripture. Comfort is not to totally cease. So even though God is not centered on our comfort, that does not mean comfort is supposed to totally cease. So if you're in a situation and it is uncomfortable, you don't need to believe that it's going to be uncomfortable forever because comfort is not supposed to stop because guess what you don't need in heaven? You don't need comfort because there's no trouble in heaven. So where you're going to need comfort at, you're going to need it here in the earth. So even though comfort is not God's number one goal in your life, don't be confused that God doesn't ever want you to be comfortable. Comfort is not supposed to cease altogether. You're not supposed to have challenges all the time, every day, 24-7. You have to believe that at some point things are going to shift in my favor. It won't always be like this. I'm not going to cry forever. I'm not going to hurt forever. My character is not going to be built forever. I'm not going to be stretched forever, stressed forever. I'm not going to be attacked forever. I'm not going to be broke forever. I'm not going to be sick forever. I'm not going to be crying forever. The, The beautiful thing about trouble, it has an expiration date. Trouble don't last Always. The Bible says weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So even though things have been uncomfortable, challenging, I don't want you to lose your faith because comfort was not designed to stop altogether. And somebody would say, well, you should have told 2020, 2021, and 2022 that. Because all them years, I've been uncomfortable. Well, maybe 2023, it'll turn. I want you to keep believing because comfort wasn't designed to stop altogether. There is not a stop sign on your comfort. Comfort is yet headed your way. Comfort still knows your name and comfort still has your address. And so even though you are temporarily strained and stressed, and, and, and bothered and irritated, guess what it is temporary, which we talked about several months back. It's only temporary. So let me explain to you from the scriptures why that is true. Second Corinthians 1, 3, would you read that? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. He's the God of all comfort. So if anybody's going to comfort me, it's got to come from God. And let me throw this out there. The reason why you've been so uncomfortable is because you've been tricked to finding comfort outside of God. So God has to allow it to be uncomfortable so you can turn to the one who can only, the only one who can really comfort you. 
let me be just a little facetious. You keep turning to southern comfort, but that ain't the comfort you need. You need godly comfort. And so he's trying to wean you away from one comfort to take you to another level of comfort. Let, let me let me give you another example of that. It's very disheartening to see a five-year-old kindergartner with a pacifier in his mouth. Amen. You should have outgrown that level. When you are a parent, that pacifier is gold when they're young because they won't shut up till they have something in their mouth. But you also learn that they cannot stay in that state. So you have to pull that level of comfort away to get them to grow into something else. Many times the reason why the crutch fell or the relationship broke or the job went away is because you were trusting in it. And God said, it's time for you to outgrow it. So I got to remove it. When he removed it, it made you very uncomfortable, but he was growing you to another level where you don't need what you used to need. Now, if you need it, God can help you through it, but there's going to come a time you won't need it. I'm just going to throw some stuff out there. You needed porn, but there's going to come a time you don't need it. You needed drugs, but there's going to become a time you don't need it. You needed her, but there's going to become a time you no longer need her. You needed this, that, and the other, but God allowed you to be uncomfortable so you could turn to the true and the living God. And once you start moving in the right direction, then he can bring other things that help comfort you. And it's not that you can't do some of the things you were doing before, but you will not overindulge in things. I'm, I, I, was, I was telling my wife and I told someone else this. And so for about, let's see, from 1995 was the last time I got drunk. And I didn't start picking up alcohol even socially probably until 2018. So now I will have a glass of wine. I actually had a glass of wine last night. But I don't like the feeling of being out of control. I don't want to buzz. I, the last time I was drunk in 1995, and I picked up some, some things, but I don't drink to get a buzz because I don't want that feeling. Because I have grown out of that. I don't need that. I want to have, I want to be sober. Well, I just want to feel good. No, I feel good by myself. I don't need nothing to help me feel good. It's not that I won't have a drink here and there, but I know in me when it's too much. The other day, and I, I, I'm really light with it because I because I stayed away from it so long. The other day, I grabbed something and it was too strong for me. I had a full glass, and I told him, "Take that, pour that out. I need something. I need something a whole lot less than that." I know me. I yes, I have more freedom to drink but I know me I don't want nothing that's going to cause me to lose my control because I've been there and it didn't do me any good I'm in a new level of life I don't need what I used to need now in Indiana marijuana is not legal and when it becomes illegal I don't believe I'm going to be trying it because I don't believe I need it I'm high right now With the most high because I've learned that God is my comfort. Not to beat you up for what you have needed in the past, but there ought to be a growth track where you don't need what you used to need. And let me, let me, let me even make it even smaller. There's some circles that you tried to be in that you no longer need. 
Well, pastor, they talking about me. They talking about you because you don't need them no more. Move on somewhere else. You don't stop trying. Stop trying to go where you're tolerated and start going where you're celebrated. If if you don't like me and what I got, maybe I don't need you. Maybe I've outgrown you. Don't mean I got to treat you bad. But when you grow, you outgrow people the same way you outgrow clothes. You trying to fit in this stuff? It's just too tight. You, you ever wore some pants that was too tight? Your belly hurt. When you get to the house, the first thing you want to do is at least pop that button. Jesus, oh my stomach was hurting. But there's some relationship and some friendships that is crushing your belly. You need to let them go because it's too tight. I've outgrown it. All right, got got to got to move on. All right, let's let's read verse four. Who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. He comforts us in what? All. 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 Now, I'm not a mathematician, but all is a whole lot. All means all. So even though you are uncomfortable, God says, I will comfort you. And then he said, here's the reason why I'm comforting you. So that you can take that same comfort and comfort somebody else. So let me ask you this. If you've never been through an issue, how are you going to help somebody else that's been through an issue? So God allows you to go through the issue, not just so you can grow out of it, so he can step in it and comfort you. And then you can take that same comfort and help the next person. So it's okay. All right. So let's let's put this up here and clean this up. If you continually compromise your character for comfort, your life could careen out of control. I went crazy with the seas, but I love it. If you continually compromise your character for comfort, your life could careen out of control. Careen means you could just lose control. You'll go in the path. So God is not concerned about your comfort to the point if you're compromising for comfort. If you're compromising character for comfort, God is not after that. And as a pastor, I'm telling you, that's not good for you. So let's look at this. Put this next one up. Now we're going to give us some tools. So how can we gain comfort without jeopardizing our calling? I've been uncomfortable. Now I want some comfort. But how can I grab this comfort without jeopardizing my calling? All right. Here's a wild example. I work midnight shift. So that means that I'm not at home sleeping in the bed with my wife. I'm working. And so it's uncomfortable for her to have a husband, but to be sleeping alone every night. But that's just the way it's set up for us to do what we need to do and for me to pastor. That's what happens to work right now. So if in order for her to be comfortable, she says, I'm just going to get me a man to at least sleep at with me at night because... My husband is gone. <laughs> Hold on. We've been married 22 years and we're going to stop at 22. Because now she's compromising her character just to grab comfort. And so when you do that, your life will careen out of control. But how can you gain comfort without losing your calling. 
Is there a way that she can gain comfort without losing her calling? Yeah, go buy a bunch of extra comforters and make it pallet up to look like me, feel like me, but you can't get nobody else. You're going to have to be a little bit uncomfortable and learn how to gain comfort in an uncomfortable way without jeopardizing your character or your calling. Of course, that's a funny example because we don't expect Devin to do that. But in small ways, we are usually tempted to compromise in order to have comfort. But we have to be careful of that. So how can we do it without compromising? And so here we go. And this is where we will finish from and actually we'll get some scriptures and I'll try to speed up from here. So this brings us back to the title, The Four Seasons. So here, what it is, is four C words that God uses to help you create comfort in chaos. So just because you have chaos in a certain area of your life doesn't mean you cannot have comfort in the chaos because everything we know about the beginning of the world or the rebeginning is that it was in chaos. And the Bible said God moved over the waters, hovered over the waters. His spirit moved over the waters and then he began to bring order in chaos. So you may have some chaos in your life, but you don't have to jeopardize your character. God will give you what you need to create comfort even in chaos. And things have been chaotic, things have been uncomfortable, but I'm trusting I can show you how you can grab comfort even in a chaotic situation. And I'm telling you things you already know because the reason why you're here because you've been doing it. You've been having to figure out a way to make it work with all the challenges you've got. The gas price is high. The grocery price is high. This happened. That happened. Folk doing this. People stabbing in your back. Folk lying on you. You figured out a way how to keep on moving forward. And what I'm telling you is God is proud of you and keep on doing it. Because the chaos will end, but it may not end right away. So you need the tools to learn how to create comfort in chaos and learn how to keep your mind together even though things are going crazy around you. So let me give you the first point. These are the four things. All those other things we're just leading us up to, these are the four things I want you to leave with. Number one, repeat that with me. Somebody, somebody say confidence. 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 In chaos and in uncomfortable situations, you cannot lose your confidence. Sometimes people tell me, they're like, Pastor Andre, you, you, you have so much swag or you have so much this. I'm not that, that secure. I'm just confident when I do something. By the time you see me, I come with confidence. This, this outfit, I didn't know if it was going to work. But when I get out of here, I act like it's working, whether it is or not. You're not going to see it on my face that I'm not sure until I go back home. I'm gonna, I take it off. I'll never wear that again. But in front of you, I'm going to have confidence. confidence. And one thing I learned is that that moves the needle more than anything. It's not really what you have on. It's the confidence you have inside of you. That there are times you go to the interview and they'll hire you even though someone else may be, their resume may be better than yours, but you come in the door with confidence. Don't let chaos rob you of your confidence. Don't let the hell you face rob you of your confidence. Just because the man left you don't mean you ain't still fine. Walk fine, act fine, look fine, stride and move. Keep 
your confidence. You might be broke, but don't lose your confidence. You, you might be struggling, but don't lose your confidence. You may not be able to go to Roof Chris, but go to Outback and act like it's Roof Chris and keep your confidence. Keep your head up high. Keep moving. Keep your shoulders square. Don't be looking, oh, woe is me. Forget all that. Hold on to your confidence. I'm confident that the God that brought me here will bring me out. I'm confident that God won't let me fail. I'm confident that it's going to work. I'm confident it's going to turn around. I'm confident that I can do it even when it doesn't seem like I should be confident. I'm living in a house that I wasn't confident I could pay for. But once we start going down the road and once we've seen it, I just knew this is my house. So with God, faith, and confidence, now I've been in the house and I haven't had one issue paying for it because I walked there with confidence. And I don't want you to lose your confidence. Don't let the devil tell you you're not what God says you are. You're exactly what God says you are. I don't care what the trouble says. I don't care what the problem says. I don't care how uncomfortable it is. Hold on to your confidence. All right. Let's look at Hebrews 10.35. Says it even better than I can say it. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence which has great reward. Hold on, pastor. You're telling me to hold on to my confidence, but I haven't been rewarded. But the Bible tells me that the reward is in you holding on to your confidence. And so when you let go of the confidence, you won't see the reward. And the problem is, it's not that you haven't done the right thing. You haven't done the right thing long enough. Because you quit at the last moment and you lost your confidence. But the Bible says if you don't throw away your confidence, you will see the reward. Let's read the next two verses. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Wait a second. The promise is still coming, but the Bible says you need endurance. Because it's not coming right away. And so the if you have endurance, it gives you confidence that it's going to be okay. I'm going to make it. I could preach a whole message on that, but I won't. Let's go to verse 39. This is who we are not. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. We're not the folk that give up, walk away, quit, lose heart, cave in, stick our head in the sand. Well, I'm not saved no more because because God didn't help me with my food stamps. The devil is a lie. I don't care if I'm hungry. I'm going to be saved. I'm going to die and I'm going to be saved. I'm not letting go of what God has done in my life. I'm not letting go. Here's another C word. I'm not letting go of the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm going to hold on to my confidence and if I don't get blessed until I get to heaven, so be it. I'm holding on. I'm not quitting. I'm not backing up. I'm not giving up. I'm not rolling over. I'm standing in this thing. I'm still believing God. I am confident. confident. You know what I like to say? This is not a C word, but it's my favorite made up word. Godfident. When you got God, you have some Godfidence. I, I'm confident in God. All right. Moving right along. Point number two. This I add to it, courage. courage. Somebody say courage. courage. Some of y'all, who was it? Was it the scarecrow that didn't have courage? Some of y'all like the Wizard of Oz. You don't have no courage. 
the lion. Yeah, the lion. You're a lion. You should be warm, but you don't have no courage. But you got to learn how to get your confidence back and get your courage back. Stop being so scared and stop. That's why some of y'all don't need to participate in Halloween. You already scared enough. You need, you need, you need to get away from that because you're too scared. You're scared of everything. Now take some courage. Let's continue to read. Second Chronicles 15, 5. In those times, there was no peace to him who went out or to him who came in. For great disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the land. So there was no peace and great disturbances afflicted everybody. Kind of reminds me of COVID where everybody get, got afflicted or, or it affected everybody. Let's look at verse 6. They were broken they were broken in pieces. Nation was crushed by nation and city by city. For God troubled them with every sort of distress. Every chaos doesn't come from the devil. Some of it is allowed by God. And sometimes when God allows things to hit the entire earth, it affects all of us. So let's look at verse 7. But you. Read that. Read them two words again. But you. Read it one more time. But you. Now what but does, it cancels out the first part and it says, but you. Everybody is troubled. Everybody is stressed out. Everybody's in chaos, but you. Do what? Take courage. Do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. I don't care what everybody else is facing, but you take courage, because you're going to be rewarded. So keep, keep your confidence and take courage. Taking courage means it is not always in your realm. You got to go grab it. Yeah. In order for me to take this towel, I got to grab it. Some of y'all courage is right in front of you, but you're so, have so much chaos, you're afraid to grab it. I want you to grab some courage. Find some courage from somewhere and grab some courage and say, for God I live and for God I die. I'm going to get some courage. Well, this is going on. That's going to, it sure is. I know it is, but I'm taking courage. And I'm going to grab it. I'm taking it. And, and, and I don't want to be rude, but if you don't want your courage, I'm taking yours. Amen. Trish, if you don't need your courage, let me have it. Donald, if you don't want yours, let me have it. Because what God has for me, I need some courage to do it. I ain't facing no little baby devils. I'm facing the real devils. I need some courage to do what I got to do. So I'm grabbing what I got to grab so I can move forward and do what I got to do. Because come hell or high water, I'm going to be comforted. I'm going to find some comfort. So I'm going to take this. So we got our confidence and we have our courage. Number three. Calm. You got you to learn how to be calm. Me, me, me and uh, Lady Devon were, were discussing how as leaders, sometimes we just have to be calm. Sometimes we get calls from our members and if we're as frantic as the person calling, it doesn't provide any strength. So when we answer the phone, sometimes we hear stuff like, man, that's rough. But we, we try to remain calm. Because when your leader is calm, it brings calmness to the situation. When you're around somebody who freaks out all the time, it is irritating. Like, just shut up. Like, you ever had a Backseat driver in the front seat with you. You driving, 
You making me nervous. How, go sit in the back seat. Let me handle this. You, 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 you too nervous for me. There's nothing wrong with being nervous, but you can be too nervous. And I need some people that are calm. And see, once you are confident and you have courage, then you know how to be calm even in chaotic situations. You learn how to be calm. Cool, calm, collected. I, 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 I don't have to flip out all the time. Just learn how to chill sometimes. There's times to be animated and there's times to be calm. Every time you need to fix the bill at the restaurant, you don't have to fly off the handle. You can just say, you charged me too much and I'm not paying that. Can you go back and fix it? You can do it calm. Hey, you, you ain't got to do all that. Just calm down. Calm down. Because number one, I don't need them spitting in our food when it gets back there. So we, we need to get it fixed, but we can do it calm. Yeah. Let, let, let's, let's look at these scriptures. Let's, let's look at how Jesus flowed. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. So he got into a boat with his disciples and they headed across the lake. Verse 24. Suddenly. Read that word again. Suddenly. So that means it came out of nowhere. Read. A fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Now, they got in the boat to go across the lake. When they got and they started in the lake, nothing was going on. But then suddenly, a fierce storm. See, things can happen in your life suddenly. But the Bible says that Jesus was asleep. Let's continue to read. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Now, they were not very calm, but I wouldn't be very calm either because I can't swim. So I probably would have woke him up too. Jesus, what you doing? Because water is getting in the boat. It's okay if the boat's on top of the water, but when the water gets in the boat, we all got trouble. Amen. So he, whoever it was, they were trying to get Jesus. What what you doing sleeping? I don't know if it's a two-story boat because I don't know if it's Jesus getting wet and still sleeping. I don't know what was going on, but Jesus was super, super calm. Let's read. In the next verse. The disciples went and you can go ahead uh, you can go ahead and read that full part again. The disciples went and woke him up shouting Lord save us. We're going to drown. Alright let's continue to read. Jesus responded why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Now hold on Jesus. I know you you powerful but you ask me why I'm afraid. <laughs> Don't you see the waves? Don't you see the water coming in the boat? And sometimes in our life, Jesus treats the same, uh, the same way. Why are you afraid? Like, Jesus, don't you know what I'm dealing with? But what Jesus is saying, you forget who's in you. Yeah. You forgot who with you, who's with you, because I stepped in the boat with you. Before you went across the lake, I got in your boat. And as long as it's Jesus in your boat, you don't have to be as afraid as everybody else, because the one who controls it all is sleeping on the inside Hallelujah. of you. All right, so let, let, let's go back to the verse, verse 26. She said, why are you so afraid? You have so little faith. Read. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. Suddenly there was a great calm. Now what's interesting to me is the Bible doesn't say he rebuked the storm. And the Bible doesn't say the storm stopped. 
He said he rebuked the wind and the waves. I love the beauty of Jesus because what people will tell you uh, when you look at newscasters or the, the weatherman, they will say there's a hurricane coming. Hurricane Ivan is headed. But basing on the winds, it can be upgraded to a level five hurricane or it can be downgraded to a tropical storm. So the problem is not the storm. The problem is the wind and the waves. So when Jesus got up, he spoke to the root of the problem. We can handle the storm, but it's the winds and the waves that are giving us trouble. So Jesus said, wind, stop. And wave stop. And what I need you to know is that yes, there may be a financial storm, but Jesus can stop the wind and the waves for you. Somebody else may have wind and waves, but because he knows what he's doing in your life, he can bring calm to your situation and your situation can be entirely different. You can be in the same storm, but because of who you have in you and who you have with you, he can cause a great call to come. Let's look at the last verse of that. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and waves obey. Who is this man? Even the winds and the waves. So even the root problem stops because of him. So what I need you to understand is that, yes, there's chaos. Yes, there's challenges, circumstances, all the things I've told you about. Yes, it's uncomfortable at times, but there's usually a root cause to all that. And the one who has the power over the root cause, he can just stop and say, peace, be still. And so what I need you to do, I need you to expect the calm. Some people say the calm after the storm. No, I need you to expect the calm in the storm. Right when you're in it, you got to know that God's going to calm you down. He's going to slow things down. He's going to give you clarity of thought, clarity of mind. You're going to move in ways that people didn't know you could move. They're going to be looking at you funny saying you should still be crying. But instead of being crying, you're moving ahead because God brought calm in the middle of your storm. Because you know who you trust and you know who's sleeping in your boat as long as I got King Jesus. Yes, I would like the politicians to do what I want them to do. But if they don't do what I want them to do, I got Jesus on the inside of me. Yes, I want my family to do what I want them to do. But if they don't, I got Jesus on the inside of me. Yes, I want my money not to be funny and I don't want my change to be strange. But if it does happen, I got Jesus on the inside of me and he can speak peace to every storm. He can calm every situation. So guess what I'm about to do? I'm about to chillax in the middle of some of this. I'm about to chill. Well, we don't have heat. We still gonna have church and have a good time. I'm about to chill. I'm going to learn how to enjoy life. Everything is not worth my tears. Everything is not worth my stress. I'm about to chill. I might even go get my feet rubbed and stick my feet in the pedicure and let somebody rub on my feet while I relax and be massaged. I'm about to enjoy my life. This chaos is not about to take me out. I'm not about to drown. I'm not about to die. I'm not about to quit. I'm still going to make it. So guess what? The only thing I'm going to do I'm about to calm myself down. And I don't need no Mary Jane to calm me down. 
One final, one final point, then we will go. Number four, cheer. Look at your neighbor and say, cheer up. Some of the problem with some Christians, the real life folk don't want to be Christians. Y'all some of the saddest looking folk in the world. Yeah. I mean, even dress sad. You, you, you can, you can have a long dress, but why you gotta be so plain Jane? I mean, just cheer up. Goodness. Have some fun. Just smile a little. Laugh a little. Why, why don't you dance a little? Do something. Well, I can't be saved and dance. Well, I can. I'm about to dance. I'm about to have some cheer. Life is too hard for me to look like I'm sucking on sour lemons. I'm about to put a smile on my face. It takes too many muscles to frown all day long. I'm about to wear a smile. Some of y'all about to see my 32s or 24s or however many teeth you got left. It don't make a difference. Whatever you got, smile. They may be yellow, they may be beige, they may be white, but smile. You look so much better when you, oh, 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 you, you look better when you smile. Well, should we just be smiling and laughing over everything because life is serious? Yes, it is serious. It's a time to be serious. It's a time to smile. But here's the reason why I say cheer up. And here's the final verse, John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. You will. It's a promise. You will have tribulation, but... But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Oh, well, praise the Lord. If I was uh, one of the old school preachers, I would say it this way. I looked at the back of the book, and we win in the end. It says he overcame the world. So guess what? I'm not going to be sad forever. I'm about to cheer up because I know the God that not just died and was buried, but he rose again with power in his hand. So guess what I'm about to do? I'm about to put a smile on because I know who holds my future. Come on, let's rise to our feet. The four seasons. Confidence. Courage, calm, and cheer. Cheer up. I have overcome the world. The entire world. It means the system, all systems. He overcame them. And if he's inside of you, guess what? You are more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer as well. Let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father God, we thank you. This message does not mean we will no longer have challenges. But it just helps us to frame the challenges with the right perspective. We still can overcome in the midst of uncomfortable things. Our character is being built, but while our character is being built, you still are the God of all comfort. And so we take confidence, we take courage, we take calm, and we take cheer. So God, I'm praying that you do some things that will make us smile. Because you're so good to us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And let everybody say amen Amen and amen. God bless you.